Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the 16 Bitchin' Podcast, part of the Retro Refresh family. This podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, iTunes, and a bunch of other fucking places. And if that's no good for you, you can watch slash listen to this on YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, I am your host today, Tom Hever, also known as Sagahead on YouTube. If you don't know me for that, that's probably a good thing. I'm an idiot. But anyway, we're going to get straight onto it today. Yes, it's a podcast that's just me. No interviewing today. We're just going to get straight into the three games. So if you're not familiar with this podcast, what we do each time is focus on just three games. Just three. One modern, one retro, and one indie. And today, these are some of my favourites. Modern one, definitely one of my favourite modern games. The retro one is my favourite game of all time. So I am really going to have to stop myself from talking too fucking much about that one. And the indie one? Oh, I don't know if it's my favourite indie, but it's fucking up there, and it deserves to be. So getting straight onto the modern game, this is one that many people have played. And I mean many. Fucking millions of people have played this game. This game is, of course, Minecraft. Now... This was a fad for quite a while, until it was taken over by Fortnite. Yeah, less said about that fucking piece of shit, the better. Minecraft is a game that, like many things, when it becomes a fad, you look at your kids or other people's kids and you think, why do they like that shit? Why? Look at it, it's stupid. And when I first heard of Minecraft and first saw kids getting into it, I hadn't played it at the time, so I just looked at these kids going mad about it and you think, it's just Lego. The fuck's wrong with these kids? It's fucking Lego. Alright, it's a video game version of it, but they're actual Lego video games, so why is this so special? Well, I didn't get into it until it became dirt cheap, because that's how I work. I had heard how you can just build forever and go mad with your imagination and blah, 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 blah. What I had not heard so much was the imagination aspects in the adventure that was set before you. I had heard that there was a dragon... That was fucking it. I'd also heard that the dragon was incredibly difficult. First time players, yes, it's it's a bugger. But after you've been playing it for a while like me, it's uh, not a big myself up. But it is a bit of a walk in the park compared to some of the other shit. Like the wither. Oh, maybe we'll talk about that in a bit. But Minecraft, as a game, in case you haven't played it, saying it's a video game of Lego is a bit prehistoric in imagination. The ability to set out blocks and build whatever you like is a huge part of the game. But it is not the biggest part of the game for me. For me, it's the adventure aspect. You could be going in a mindless direction for fucking hours. Just wandering, going around with your sword, killing any fucking thing that gets in your way. Skeletons with bows and arrows. Zombies that want to eat your flesh. Or a cow. A cow could piss you off and you just go, fuck you, moo. They are dead. I've got beef, because that's how that works. Anyway, the adventure aspect is a big thing, but for me, when you put on a more realistic texture pack, or skin, if you will, it makes the game a lot more enjoyable. Simply for the visuals. If you like me and you like going on these mindless fucking adventures, then having the sunrise look more awesome than just, say, a fucking square, that's a big thing. 
the sunrise and sunset really adds to the feeling that you are on an adventure. I don't know why. I don't. But it does make a big impact on me. When playing this game with friends, you might decide, we're going to build a base. Not just any base. This is going to be a fuck-off base, like Death Star on land. It never is, but it's always something unique and awesome, and you have a shit ton of fun playing it. I play Minecraft every fucking Saturday night with my friends. Yes, I know I'm talking about multiplayer again, but the single-player aspect here is quite huge, because you can play with friends and still do only what you want to do, and they're just there chatting with you, and like they could say, you know what? I like that mountain there. I do. But I like this mountain in here. So I'm going to build a fucking bridge. Tom, what are you going to do? Well, I thought I'd go mining. You could do all these different things and you still have a ton of fun. Like you might decide I want to build all this cool shit out of iron. Right, well, fuck, I'll have to go get some iron. Mining. There you go. And thanks to the very recent update, which, um, as this is being recorded, it's brand new, really. Caves and Cliffs 2, I believe it's called. Holy shit, exploring in the caves is just fucking awesome. So awesome. It is insanely huge. It feels like you're entering a whole nother world by going in a fucking cave. Soon there's going to be an update where they add a boss to these caves. I don't know a lot about it, because I didn't want to spoil it for myself. I kind of want the surprise. When the thing is released, I'll look how to find this boss monster thing, and that'll be it. I won't want to find out any other details. If I get completely murdered to buggery by it, I might look up its weaknesses, because fuck you. But otherwise, I don't want to spoil anything. I don't even know what it's going to look like. I don't know if anyone knows what it's going to look like. As a genre, it's what's called a sandbox video game. That's a really weird genre that seemed to really just pop up for me when Minecraft was released. I thought, what's a fucking sandbox game when it's at home? Just the ability to fuck off anywhere. Do what you want, build what you want, destroy what you want. You are your own master. There's fuck all direction. There's many options, but you know, we've spoken in the past about Oblivion and how there's many options with that. You can go here, you can do this quest, you can go down this way, and you can help those people. There's many things you can do, but when you start said quest or said mission or whatever the fuck, you're on a set path to do set things. Minecraft, there's none of that. The only thing I can think of that's sort of a linear quest line is if you want to face, for example, the Ender Dragon, well, you need to kill a shit ton of Endermen and steal their eyeballs. That's pretty cool, isn't it? You then have to go to the Nether. We'll talk about the Nether in a minute. But when you get the materials you need from there, you add them to the eyeballs, you throw these fucking magical new enhanced eyeballs into the air, and they will home in a certain direction. You follow that path, so you have to make quite a few of them, because sometimes when you throw them, they just disappear and they're gone in one. So that's a bit of a shit. But it makes the game more interesting, or otherwise you could just make one and keep going all the way. And then you will find... A hidden fortress, normally hidden underground, under a village. Dig your way down to that shit, and you will find the end portal. Shove enough of these magically enhanced eyeballs into the portal sockets, and you will be able to go into what is called the end, where the dragon awaits. 
that's the only kind of linear quest thing. If you want to face a dragon, you must do this to do that to do this to do this. That's it, really. Everything else is very free flow. So let's quickly talk about this never. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, I think the never is fucking that. You know in Stranger Things, there's no spoilers here, so don't worry, but they go into basically an alternate version of their own world where everything's pretty fucked up, pretty deadly, and it's basically hard mode on Minecraft. If you think Minecraft's being a bit easy, go to the nether, you'll change your fucking mind. Unless, of course, you're super-duper-duper-duper-duper equipped with diamonds and enchanted bullshit. But the nether is very creepy, very cool. Do have to be careful, though. Because you can lose a lot of your stuff. Incidentally, if you like Minecraft, but you get pissed off with the fact that every time you die, you lose all your cool stuff, you can turn that off. You can put it to a keep inventory thing, so when you die, you keep everything you had when you died. It's a nice little feature if you just want to be relaxed. If you want to annihilate the stress aspect you can get from the game, then that's a good thing to do. I recommend it. I don't like doing it all the time. I will do it sometimes with friends. But we, me and other friends, we also have a uh, hard mode, what we like to call it. We call it the hard mode because we don't have the inventory thing turned on. If you die, tough shit. And trust me, last time I was playing the hard mode, uh, I had a Neverite pickaxe with... Oh, I can't even remember the enchantments. There were five enchantments to make this thing basically the best pickaxe you can possibly get. All right, I had researched it. How do I make the most bitching pickaxe? And I had done it. And then I fucking died in the Never. I just fucked up. I slipped. I slipped and fell in lava. Lost it forever. And yes, I know some people say, oh, I bet it can survive lava. Yes, yes, it can. The Neverite one can. But if it's a fucking great pool of lava, you're probably not going to find it again. That's probably gone. Doesn't matter now, I've made another one, but it did take a fucking long time. Makes you appreciate being careful, being cautious as an adventurer. But on the other side, you might decide sometimes you don't want to do that. So if you just click the little inventory thing, so keep inventory, it's a much more relaxing game. So there are pros and cons to both sides, in my opinion. Obviously, if you do the inventory cheat, all challenge is pretty much gone. But Minecraft has been critically acclaimed, winning several awards, and being cited as one of the greatest video games of all time. That's not me and my opinion saying that. That's what everyone fucking says. Apparently, the pre-classic of the game, whatever, came out in 2009. 2009. And we've just had the new Caves and Cliffs Part 2 update in 21. Now we're in 22, and we got what is called the Wild update coming. Not sure when, but I know it's soon. The music is very relaxing, it's very ambient, it's very fitting. Since the uh, Claves and Kiffs... Uh, claves, uh, claves? Fuck me! Caves and Cliffs update! We've had some new music thrown in, and it's very fitting. There is one tune that sounds absolutely shite to me. I couldn't say what it sounds like, really. It's just, it's a crap tune. I could point it out, but I couldn't explain it and describe it right now. It's just a bit of a crappy tune. But all the others are great. They really are great. I got the fucking soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. Also, this game could be played in virtual reality. I would love to try that. I've never played VR anything. And that sucks. But I would love to play Minecraft VR. And No Man's Sky VR, but that's for another day. The game's reviews? Fuck. There are so many reviews from so many different people. Let's just say 
most of them are 9 out of 10s. Most of them are 9 out of 10 across the board. The worst review I can see, because I'm not going to list all of these off, there's literally like two dozen fucking reviews just on Wikipedia saying what it is out of 10. But the worst ones, 53 out of 100 by Metacritic for the iOS version. Yes, I can imagine that's crap. And 62 out of 100 for the 3DS version. I have the 3DS version. It's not bad. The control is a cunt. It's... You've really got to fuck around with the sensitivity to get it nice. Because the 3DS... It doesn't quite translate well with the controls for you moving and you're looking around. Because, of course, you don't have... Equal analog sticks. The one on the left side of the console, handheld console, is very different to the one on the right-hand side. So it doesn't feel right. You can get used to it. But you really don't need to now because, of course, there's Minecraft on the Switch. So this 3DS one has been made very obsolete. If you've got kids, you don't want to buy them a Switch, but they want video games, you can get a 2DS XL very cheap. You can get in Minecraft on that. I don't think you can get Minecraft on normal 2DS. I think it has to be 2DS XL or new 3DS. I think. Don't quote me on that. I'm just thinking it's that. How many awards is this thing won? A fuck ton. Let's just put it down as a fuck ton. It's got Golden Joystick Awards, Kids Choice Awards, several of them actually. Apparently in 2014, I think, it lost to Just Dance. <laughs> How do you lose to Just Dance? I have no fucking idea, but it did one time. So there's a weird little tidbit for you. But Minecraft even has its own con. It's called Minecon. Don't know what con is? Think Comic-Con? You know what Comic-Con is? You've heard of it from the Big Bang Theory? Or some other crap? Minecon is an official fan convention dedicated to Minecraft. I don't know much else about it. It's annual if you want to check it out. Some of the pictures online. It looks pretty cool. I think I'd enjoy going. But what else can be said about Minecraft? Well, from a parent aspect, right? From the view of a parent... Let me put it this way, Minecraft was a big fad. It still is, but nowhere near what it was. Because kids have moved on to fucking Fortnite. So let me just say, as a parent, I think Fortnite is making our kids dumber. Because you run around, you shoot shit, there's tons of swearing, blah blah blah, it's a load of crap. It's not brilliant for a kid's mental development. There's no real benefits like that. Minecraft offers a kid creativity, imagination... Let's them do what they want to do. It lets them learn the repercussions of things. For example, my daughter, she once... She, she was, she's very young. She's five. Okay, so she's doing the dumb thing. She dug a fucking great pit. And she was playing creative mode, I guess, which is the ability to just summon blocks and animals and all sorts endlessly without having to find the resources. I hate creative mode. But many people like creative mode. So I'm not going to slag it off. It's just not my cup of tea. For kids, though, it's brilliant. So my daughter's spawning millions and millions and millions of fucking chickens in this pit. And it looks like an absolute clusterfuck. And she says, Daddy, Daddy, look what I've done. I said, why don't you put a wolf in there? See what happens. I don't think she put a wolf in the end. I think she put a fox in. But whichever animal it was, carnage ensued. And she's like, oh no! All the chickens are getting murdered to fuck. She's like, Daddy, why would you tell me to do that? I'm like, now you know what that animal eats. And the answer is chickens. <laughs> it's quite funny. Since then, she's learning more repercussions about what animals eat what. 
which is quite interesting. She keeps going at me saying the cows eat the grass and the sheep eat the grass and the fox eat the chickens. Guess how we found that shit out? The end of many, you. She's learning a lot of things. She's getting to explore and expand her mind. And I think it's a very good sort of self-helper teacher thing. And it's making her more confident with her imagination rather than drawing shit on paper all the time. Now she wants to build stuff on Minecraft. Remember when you used to have your kids back in the day play uh, Windows Paint? And they'd say, Daddy, look what I've done. And they'd show you this really shit drawing. And you'd be like, that's great. Can we print it off and put it on the fridge? Do we have to? It's not, it's not that great. Minecraft, at least, they can't print this crap off. So they just show you what they've done. Look at my house. That's great. How'd you get into it? I uh, forgot the door. <laughs> Minecraft is great for kids, it's great for adults, I think it's a fantastic game, that's why I wanted to talk about it today. Let me know what your opinion on Minecraft is, what do you consider to be the most valuable aspect to it, what makes it stand out apart from all the other games, because there's too much to fucking talk about in one third of a fucking podcast, so unfortunately I'm having to end it here for the talks on Minecraft. For you see the next game we're to talk about, today's retro game. This is my all-time favourite game in the world. I have many favourite games for many, many things across many consoles. We all do. It's very hard to pick one game to say, that's the one. That's my favourite. Typically, if I ask an old-school gamer from America, they will say it's a Super Nintendo game. Uh, Your Chrono Triggers... Uh, your Zeldas, all of them are people's favourites. Sometimes Pokemon games, sometimes Mario games. If you're in the UK, sometimes people will say Sonic 2. I know people that say their favourite game of all time is Metal Gear Solid. But most of the time, when people list their favourite games, it's normally either a game that's just fucking come out, because it's the one they're playing at the time and they can't be asked to think, or... It's a fucking Zelda game. So I guess Zelda has really left a mark on gamers across the world. But for me, it's something darker. It's a PlayStation 1 game. It's also on the Dreamcast, but I didn't get to play a Dreamcast version for many years. Yes, that sucks. It's also on PC. Never played that. Probably never will. Because there's nothing to be gained from playing that particular version, I believe. This game is Legacy of Cain. Soul Reaver. And this game is actually a sequel. But I didn't know it was a sequel when I played it back in the day as a kid. It hints it's a sequel. It says a little bit about the game that came before. But you don't have to play that game that came before. That game is Blood Omen, Legacy of Kane. Yes, for some fucking reason, Legacy of Kane used to be at the end of the game's name. Now it's at the start of it. Don't know why. Don't know why they've done that. But they fucking have. This game, in my opinion, is a fucking masterpiece. Now, how do I describe it before going into the details of it? Because this is a very story-driven game. It's very heavily focused on the story. But before we get to that, what is it? What is the game? Well, essentially, it's a 3D platformer. So if you think back in the days of Tomb Raider, looks a lot like that, doesn't control much like that. Lara Croft, her jumping is very limited, if you think in the early Tomb Raider games. Raziel, who is the main character of Soul Reaver, 
He can jump and he has more of a free flow to how he jumps. He can fuck off left, right, forward, back. Easy. Can't do any flips and shit, but he can jump around a lot more free flow than Lara. There's a lot of puzzle solving. It's not too difficult. It's not too simple. I would say it's just right. If you think to the puzzle solving again, we'll compare it to Tomb Raider. The puzzle solving of Tomb Raider, sometimes, back then, this is a true story of me in particular, I couldn't figure out this one fucking puzzle, this one motherfucking cunting puzzle. And it turns out the reason why I couldn't figure it out is there was a switch on a wall I had to flip after doing a bunch of moving shit around. I didn't know that because I couldn't see the thing because the graphics weren't good enough. The switch didn't look like a switch. It looked like a piece of crap on the wall along with all the other pieces of crap on the wall. It didn't stand out enough. Soul Reaver, at least, if you can't figure out a puzzle, it's really because of that kind of shit. Rarely because graphical limitations have made something look like nothing. Alright? I can't think of an example from this game. Maybe you can. If you can, I would love to know. Let me know in a comment somewhere. There is also battle mechanics to this game. You can lock onto an enemy, circle around them, twat them with sticks and all sorts. But the thing is, right, you're facing vampires in this world, but they're not they're not your typical vampires, so ignore the shit from, say, Blade or Twilight or any of that where a vampire is basically a human with fucking pointy teeth. There's none of that shit. There are vampires that are mutated to fuck with giant mouths and super long tongues that whip out at you. There are vampires whose flesh is falling off of them. There are vampires who've turned into weird fish amphibian fuckatrons that spit water at you. We'll get back onto the water aspect in a minute because water has a lot more of an effect on vampires than you would realise. And there's also vampires that look like giant mogwais. I mean, they've got huge fucking bat-like ears. There would have been vampires with bat wings, but the story kind of stopped that from happening. And there's even, and I hated this as a kid, <laughs> vampires that are part spider-like. I fucking hate spiders. I despise the fucking things. I find a spider in my house, I don't pick it up and get rid of it. Ooh, no. I'll throw a steel toe cap boot at that motherfucker. I'll kill it. And then ask the missus to clear away the smudgy bit. So there's the basic of the mechanics. So before we get onto the story, what are these vampires like in the world? I mean, I've already explained them a little bit and they're a bit weird. There's one aspect of the Legacy of Kane games with vampires that I don't get. I don't know why the game creators thought this would be a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's fucking weird. Water scorches a vampire's flesh like fucking acid. Why? Surely, if that kind of vampire was to appear in this day and age and try to take over, we'd all crack out some super soakers and they'd be fucked. And that's true, because that would have worked. Through some magical bullshit, incantation-y whatnots in Blood Omen, you could get the ability to survive fucking rain. Woo! The only real advantage is when a vampire gets old enough, and I mean something like a thousand years and up, he becomes immune to sunlight. Good, because sunlight's a dick. Dying from something as simple as that always kind of sucked for vampires, didn't it? But to be scorched to fuck by fucking acid, yeah, it's a bit of a pisser, isn't it? Bit of a pisser. Someone spills their drink on you. Whoops, melted your face off. But now let's get to the story a little bit. Without spoiling too many things 
Now, as you've noticed, Blood Omen, Soul Reaver, both called Legacy of Cain. Who the fuck is Cain? Cain is the main character in Blood Omen. He is a very important vampire. Not that he's like royal or any kind of bollocks. I suppose, yeah, he becomes royal. But anyway, he's just a guy. He became a vampire through murder and all sorts of schemes that I can't say in detail without spoiling Blood Omen, which I will not fucking do. But he's the main character in Blood Omen, trying to get revenge for his death and find a cure for vampirism. In Soul Reaver, 1,500 years have passed since that moment. He is now the king of the world, and the vampires are ruling the world. But the world is in decay. It's falling apart because of one choice Cain once made. He had the ability, without detail to confuse the shit out of you, he was given the choice to sacrifice himself, to restore balance to the world, let nature go back to normal because everything was fucked. The world was falling apart, literally dying, turning to shit, demons taking over. If he had sacrificed himself, the world would have been saved. But certain human ruling forces had made it so that he was the last vampire alive. If he had sacrificed himself, he would have saved the world. Maybe. Maybe. But he would have ensured the annihilation of the vampire race. Which he had come to realize were gods. Dark gods. And it was their duty to thin the herd. So he decided, fuck you. I'm not sacrificing myself. I will live on. And the world's decay was not ended. The world was not saved. The decay continued. And within the 1,500 years, he built an empire. He made six vampire sons. And they would make further vampires to make armies. His firstborn son was Raziel, the main character of Soul Reaver. Now, as we know, 1,500 years have passed. In that time, the world is very, very conquered, but it's also super decayed. The world is so fucked. Raziel is betrayed by Cain because he mutated beyond Cain. He developed these really cool... I'll tell you cool in a minute, but... He developed these vampire bat wings. He looked awesome. Because Soul Reaver is very well known for having a fantastic opening cutscene. Especially for the time. For the time, holy fucking shit, there was nothing like it. Final Fantasy didn't have opening cutscenes as good as this one. Alright? If you don't believe me, Google it, YouTube it, check it out, and remember the time it came out. Which, if you're wondering was 1999, so we did have Final Fantasy 7, we did have Final Fantasy 8. Uh, I think we we might have had Final Fantasy 9, um, would have been very close, but the cutscene, the opening cutscene, the Soul Reaver, still topped them three games. Trust me. In that, you see that Cain betrays Raziel, and destroys Raziel by throwing him in a fucking great big vortex of water, which annihilates his flesh. Some time passes, and I won't tell you how much, but Raziel is resurrected through means he doesn't understand, and he is basically a ghoul, a corpse-like monster demonoid spirit. His thirst for blood has been replaced by a hunger 
for souls. And he sets off on a quest to not only kill Cain, but kill his five other vampire brothers. As we know, Raziel grew bat wings, so you can sort of glide. You can't fly because the wings were destroyed with the rest of his body. But think of it, his five other brothers eventually gain their own powers as well. Unique ones. Mm. The game has some insane imagination to it. And I'm sure you've thought that just by hearing me spout this very tiny bit of the fucking story. Very tiny bit. There was no spoilers in that, really. It was just letting you know what you're going to find out in the first fucking five minutes of playing it. So I can't go into the story any more in detail. I can say what it's like. It's a very dark storyline. It, uh, You know, vampire storylines are done to death. They're boring as fuck. They're almost as boring as zombie films and zombie games these days, which is just the same fucking shit. It's the same fucking shit. Who we kidding? But this... With vampires, very original and very unique. I love it for that. Taking vampirism in a new direction, one that has never been matched. The story was written, at least in part, by Amy Henning. Or is it Amy Hennig? Don't know how to pronounce it. Sorry if I got it wrong. If you don't know who she is, she, after all the Legacy of Kane games, went to Naughty Dog and she's responsible for a lot of the Uncharted games. She's achieved a lot in video games. She's responsible for a lot of great things. If I had to list a bad thing about the game, without giving away any spoilers, the first time I completed it, you know when you complete a game when you're younger, it's much more exciting than when you complete a game now. When I completed that one, oh, fucking hell. It was super stoke time. It was awesome. And then it wasn't. If you don't want to hear this next bit, right, cover your ears. It's only going to be two seconds. Here we go. It says to be continued. So that's the shit. That really fucked me off. And I had a little wait until there was Soul Reaver 2 to make up for that. Oh my god, Soul Reaver 2, fuck. Maybe one day I'll talk about that, but today we're focusing on this one, of course. So we've mentioned the story. We've mentioned that one bad bit that I can think of. The gameplay-wise, as I say, 3D platformer. It's an insanely fun game. Many people would say it doesn't have a lot of replay value because it's so story-based. I say bollocks because there's a lot of hidden power-ups in the game. This is one of the games that I fucking refused, refused to go online to find stuff. I wanted to find it all on my own. And it took me years, years to find the fucking fire glyph because I wouldn't go online. And then one day I found it because I was dicking around and wandering about the fire glyph. Oh, the entrance was hidden underwater. I never thought to look there. Water, fire. I only stumbled across it. I thought, swimming along underwater. Yes, you get the ability to be immune to water later on, therefore you can swim at this point. Went underwater, swam along, saw this glowy orange bit. Fuck's over there. Never been here before. That's Q. Jump out of a hole and I see icons for the fire glyph painted on the walls. I'm like, oh my fucking shit, I found it! Moving on from that, I'll tell you a little bit of a funny thing from the development. As I said, Amy Henning Hedig, I really don't know how to pronounce her name, I apologise. She, uh, <laughs> as the game's director, likened the technological advance from Blood Omen to Soul Reaver to the evolution of the Legend of Zelda series. From Super Nintendo to N64, she thought it was much like that. So, you think Blood Omen is your link to the past, Soul Reaver is your ocarina of time. 
The game was delayed a lot because of companies basically being dicks to each other. Relationships between gaming companies just went south. There was a lot of horseshit, and it got the game delayed by at least a year. And worse than that is there was apparently a significant amount of game material that was cut. There was going to be more power-ups for Raziel. There was going to be more abilities for Raziel. Raziel eventually gains the sword that is called the Soul Reaver, but he gets the spirit version of it. If you imagine a spirit sword, what's a spirit sword? That's too much to describe. You can enhance this fucking thing with fire and later on all sorts. You were supposed to be able to enhance it so much. That ability was taken away because of all the horseshit going on between companies. Such a dick move by certain companies. Another quick focus on the story. Don't worry, no plot spoilers here. The voice acting in this game. Fucking hell. Final Fantasy was all in text. Soul Reaver, fuck your text. It's all spoken word. All done by voice actors. You had Anna Gunn. Simon Templeman. Simon Templeman, for fuck's sake. He did, uh, what's his name? The Dickhead in Dead Space 3. He's been in a ton of stuff, Simon Templeman. I think he was in, a uh, what's that bullshit Buffy the Vampire Slayer-like thing? Charmed. He was in that. I know, whoopee. Richard Doyle was in it. And Raziel is voiced by Michael Bell. If you don't know who Michael Bell is, he's done some great stuff in video games. He also did some voice work in The Rugrats, I think. It's a bit weird. But they had Tony J. Tony J! If you don't know who Tony J is, you've probably seen him in a lot of old films and gone, oh, it's that guy again. He's got quite an iconic voice, Tony J does. Pisser is, he has passed away. He's gone. And that really sucks. I put that a lot towards why this franchise is now dead. Because when he was gone, it's kind of like, how do you continue without him? It's Tony fucking J. That voice is unique. Anyone to replace that role? Mm, you'd have to find someone that can do a damn good Tony J impersonation. Because a new voice, no one would fucking settle for it. Trust me on that. In terms of its reviews, it gets some 9 out of 10s, some 8 out of 10s. The PC version's got the worst review with 78% by game rankings. I don't know why. Again, not played the PC version. Maybe the controls suck. Who knows? Although this bit makes me laugh, Daniel Erickson reviewed the PlayStation version of the game for Next Generation, rating it 4 out of 5 stars, and stated that difficult puzzles and the omission of a map makes this stylized game for hardcore adventurer gamers only. Really? You found the puzzles to be that difficult? Well then, I'm sorry mate, but you ain't much of a fucking gamer. Because they're not easy puzzles, but they're not difficult. Alright? And the map, if you have the map, well then that's all the secrets gone. It just is. I think a map would be a crap idea. Yeah, it took me a long time to find the fire uh, glyph room thing. But when I found it, it was a revolution. It was awesome. I loved the adventure aspect. But if I had a detailed map, I'd have found it right away. I wouldn't still have that element keeping the game fresh after all these years. No, it would have all been there on a plate from the word go. So, Daniel Erickson, you're a fucking lazy gamer and you want puzzles to be easy. Yes, I'm calling you a lazy, useless gamer. Not because he gave it a 4 out of 5. That's a fair enough review. I'm giving his explanation of the review some slagging off. Difficult puzzles? No, they ain't. They ain't. And the lack of a map? It's not Metroid, you cunt. Metroid needs a map. 
Did the old Tomb Raider games have detailed maps telling you where to go all the time? Or was it too difficult because you didn't have their maps? Anyway, as I feared, I've gone on about Soul Reaver too much. I apologise. This podcast may be longer than the normal ones where it's just me, simply because of that. So I'll have to end it here and just say, I love that fucking game. It's amazing. And I need to stop talking about it. So now we're moving on to our indie game, Stardew Valley. Holy shit. Stardew Valley blows my mind. I need you to remember this throughout everything I talk about. This game was made by one person. One. One guy. Worked on it for a few years. I don't know why. He got the obsession. I think he's explained it himself where life was dull. It's... Life was very repetitive, and he got into the idea he wanted to make a video game. And he kept tweaking it for a long time. Which is fine, because if you play the final product now, he's made a masterpiece. This one guy. Over four years. He made it over four years. And he was heavily inspired by the Harvest Moon games. Now, if you haven't played Harvest Moon, it's a simulation game. A farming simulation game. You're making your own fucking farm. Take care of your own animals, build stuff, uh, tend to the crops is a big one. There's a lot of things you do like that. You also develop relationships with people. You can get married in the Harvest Moon games. Some of them I don't know about all. The Harvest Moon games, though, I'm a big fan. But there is a problem with Harvest Moon games. Every single release has one thing about it that is awesome and incredible. And most of the time, that aspect is not repeated in newer releases. Why? Why do they always do that? I have no fucking idea. And each Harvest Moon also has its own unique, really fucking bad thing about it. Something that shits on it. Maybe the days go too quick. Maybe getting women to like you is too much like real life and is a chore and sucks and is difficult. It's a game. Fuck you. Some things like that should be easier. All the Harvest Moon games have something unique to them. All of the Harvest Moon games have something that's made them flawed. But I enjoyed them. I enjoyed playing them. Until I played Stardew Valley. And before we get into the description of Stardew Valley, I will just say that I can't play a Harvest Moon game now. Because they're just not as good. Stardew Valley is near as damn it a perfect game. It's certainly a perfect simulation farming game. It's better than all the Harvest Moon games. It doesn't have any of the horse shit that those games have in them. The relationship thing, for example, that you have in the Harvest Moon games, you have it here, but it's much easier. It's much more gratifying. It's How do I explain the gratification behind it? I don't know. You like the characters more. They're more likable people. But, and this was quite brave of this game creator, he gave you the ability to have same-sex relationships. I think same-sex marriage as well. I'm pretty sure that's there. So that was quite a big thing. Taking care of the farm itself. Well, actually, before we get onto that, I want to talk about the graphics. Because many of the Harvest Moon games have gone in a 3D direction. And they're very chibi-ish. And I like chibi. But there's something about the 3D Harvest Moon games that just looks so fucking dumb and simple. So basic. So bloody basic. Stardew Valley. Bugger your 3D. It's all in 2D. But it's beautiful, 2D. The colour is wonderful. When you get to autumn, the autumn season, fuck it, some of the trees, the colours everywhere. It looks great. You may have been able to tell from, like, 
past talks of Firewatch and now this, that I am a big fan of autumn. Or fall, if you're American. But Stardew Valley does have a great use of colours. The graphics are very appealing. The only thing better than the graphics is the music. The soundtrack. What a fucking soundtrack. Such great use of 16-bit sounds. It is a phenomenal ambient soundtrack. And yes, I'm going to say it again. When you get to autumn, that's the best part of the soundtrack. Because you have summer music, winter music, spring music, obviously. But the autumn music is the best, in my opinion. Stardew Valley was a critical and commercial success. Critics highlighted the game's music, characters, and relaxing qualities. It's a very relaxing game. When it first came out and I first played it, I got it for Christmas. It absorbed my Christmas. The Christmas that has just gone, I struggled, like fuck, to find a game I could get absorbed by. I got quite a few new games, and I tried getting sucked into them. I have recently, via recommendation of Retro Gamer Boy, Mike... Just started playing Eastwood. I'm enjoying it so far, Mike. I haven't got very far, but I am enjoying it. That's sucking me in more than any of the other games. But back when I got Stardew Valley, that was my Christmas gone. Every moment I could, away from my fucking family, I was playing Stardew Valley. If only I got the Switch version at that time, then when going to family, it'd be like, yeah, and I could still play. But I got the PS4 version. Now I have the Switch one as well, so that's that tackled. I can play this at work in lunchtime if I like. So let's have a little bit of a talk quickly about this indie game designer. His name is Eric Barron, but he uses the alias Concerned Ape, which is a weird name, but it's so unique, I think it's awesome. He graduated from the University of Washington, Tacoma, I don't know what that is, with a computer science degree, but apparently he couldn't get a job in the industry. He became a fucking usher at the Paramount Theatre in Seattle. But he wanted to improve his computer skills. He really wanted to dive into the thing he had been learning for so long. That is apparently what sparked him into making a game. It seemed to be the best place to use these skills. And remember, he was making the game over four years. So he gave it his all. If you look at some of the original character art to what it is now, you could see some big differences. But all of them are improvements. This makes me laugh. He stated that his intent was to address the problems I had with Harvest Moon, and that no title in the series ever brought it all together in a perfect way. Oh my god, I just fucking explained it like that. No Harvest Moon game is perfect. They all have failings. It's fucking annoying. There are many similar things with Animal Crossing games as well. I would say that has a lot of the relaxing aspects from that rune factory i've only ever played one rune factory game people so i'm afraid i can't give you a good description to fucking similarize it with that sorry he did say he was also influenced by minecraft and terraria you know what the funny thing is i've had terraria in my possession for fuck years i've never played it never turned it on yes i'm a dick Maybe the Terraria aspect is what made him have combat in it. Yes, you can get swords in this game. You can go slashing slimes, uh, go on little quests and stuff like that. has some RPG elements. It's fucking cool in all the things in this one game. Because when you think farming simulation game, you don't think, I want that new sword because I'm going to go down there and kill that fucking monster so I can get this fucking item to mix with this item to give to this girl so she'll like me more. It's it's mad, but it's true. It's got stuff like that. 
It's got a lot of 9 out of 10s. It's got a lot of 80 out of 100s. Metacritic said the PS4 version had an 86 out of 100, giving it the lowest review. Which is funny, because they said the PS4 version was worse than the iOS version. Really? Okay. Whatever. I honestly don't get the minds behind Metacritic. Sometimes I think they just hate the PS4. I found nothing wrong with it. Nothing. Now you can even do multiplayer. He's added that as a new thing. You can have your friends go to your farm and you can work on it together. And then in return, you can go to their farm and help them with theirs. It's like free labor. I want to get all this done in one day, but I don't have the time. I'll give you a hand, fuck it. It's been nominated for a lot of awards, although it's only won the single award, the Golden Joystick Award, the Breakthrough Award of 2016. Yeah. When this game came out, like, fucking hell. That is a big game. That is an awesome game. We think 2016. So this game, I think that means it lost to Firewatch then. Huh. And yet Firewatch has a very limited replayability. Stardew Valley's replayability is through the fucking roof. You can keep coming back to this game and continue in old memory files and pick up where you left off kind of easily. Or you could start a new game. Just fuck it, I want to start from the beginning. In fact, the story at the beginning makes me laugh. Basically, your grandpa died. He left you this farm that's now trashed. Very Harvest Moon in direction. But when you see your character, you are in an office, typing away at a computer. It's dingy. It's dark. You can see everyone there is miserable. The guy in the computer booth next to you is a skeleton. He's dead. He died there. I love that little bit of comedy. Basically, you're at a dead-end job. Life is bollocks. It's meaningless. And so many of us have felt like that in life. Then this guy goes, you know what, I inherited that farm. It's probably a wreck. Fuck it. He finally has the epiphany that so many of us are trying to get to in life. Fuck it. Takes the dive, goes to the farm that's wrecked. You make it good. So many of us would relate to that and want to relate to that. The ability to just fuck off somewhere else. And that's the great thing about video games. They are such a great escape. Stardew Valley is a fantastic escape. A fantastic indie game. I'm amazed I didn't talk about this one sooner. And I would love to talk about it more. But because I waffled on so much about Soul Reaver and Minecraft, it's kind of tough to. Stardew Valley is just an awesome game. The music is fantastic. The graphics are fantastic. The story, getting to know people, the gameplay with the crops, the animals. I know I haven't covered that all that much because it's a farming game it's kind of straightforward we're taking care of fucking animals and crops and all of that shit it's very straightforward but it's a lot of fun and you have a lot of joy designing your farm where you want things to be how you want things to look and for the quest aspect when you get pissed off with farming just take care of the animals make sure you don't have too many crops on the go and set forth and kill some shit awesome fun in so many different ways I highly, highly recommend Stardew Valley. But I also highly, highly recommend you play Minecraft. And I'm not just going to highly recommend this one. You need to try Soul Reaver. And that is it for the 16 Bitchin' Podcaster today. I hope you enjoyed this one. I really do. Don't forget to subscribe to your podcast platform of choice. Again, on Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, iTunes, 
fucking YouTube if you're there. Please subscribe. Love the video. Love the podcast. I hope you have done at least. And I hope you enjoyed today's little talk. Thank you very much for being a part of this. If you have any games you would like me to talk about, get in contact. There's many ways you can do so. And you can even email me at segahead at hotmail.com. Or you can go to my YouTube channel, Segahead, and try and talk to me there and tell me what you think should be done and what games should be spoken about. Thank you very much for listening today. I'll see you next time.